3: You're listening to Inside the Clubhouse on 670, the score. He is Bruce Levine. I am Matt Spiegel. The Cubs pregame show with the man you just heard, making the Chris Bryant home run call. Zach Zabin will start at 1235 here on the score. Joe Ross against Jose Quintana today.
0: Are you guaranteeing a win for They the better. Cubs?
3: They better. This would be one that you better grab. I need
0: a Joe Namath moment from you.
3: I'm, I'm not packing that kind of heat right now. Then tomorrow... Steven Strasburg and Cole Hamels.
0: Kinda, good matchup. Yeah. Hamels should be uh, turning the corner right now.
3: Well, a quality start is last time out after the 21.90 ERA. The two starts before that, Hamels looked a lot better. But Strasburg has been filthy this year.
0: Containing the Washington offense is what these next two games are all about. That's a very good, well-diversified, balanced offense. It really is. And uh, it's fun to watch if it if, if they're not playing your team uh because they can beat you in a lot of different ways they have speed they have power uh they have contact de- too the defensively they play the game well and it's been one of the hottest teams in baseball over the last two and a half months probably uh them and the Mets uh probably the best records in baseball uh maybe the Oakland A's are right up there as well for high performance during uh, the last two to two and a half months so uh, it's going to be fun to watch them this weekend. Davey Martinez, not on the hot seat any longer, almost fired by the media two months ago. He was 11 really games under 500. Yeah. And look where they are now. They have the best, third best record in the National League. Uh, knocking on the door of competing with Atlanta. I think they have six games left with Atlanta. They're five games out in the loss column. That's a long shot at the very best. But uh, there's no question that they are one of the better teams in the National League right now.
3: Yeah, I mean, you look around them, and they they've, obviously they've got a couple of very good complete hitters like Anthony Rendon, this Juan Soto is quite something, isn't he? With 29 homers and a right. 960 OPS. Um, a guy that I love and I've always loved, and he keeps just doing what he does, is Howie Kendrick. Yeah, that guy, man. I there were there were rumors out there that he might have been available when the Nats were looking to sell. I had dreams of him for the Cubs just because he is as smart. A contact hitter. He's got 935 OPS. Look at at his
0: efficiency level for a guy that's only had about 250, 260 at bats.
3: 265 at bats. He's got uh, 14 homers, 54 ribs, a 935 OPS, only 42 strikeouts. He's just always been a contact hitter. You know,
0: you you level that out for a whole season and he's a 3,100 guy. Mm -hmm. Uh, So if you like those old school stats, He's right there, but
3: he's not, uh, he's not a stud, but he's like, he's, you would love him in your two hole or you'd love him in your seven or eighth spot. That guy, you've needed that guy all year. Yeah, He
0: brings an awful lot of balance uh, to that lineup. Uh, And again, they're defensively. They're good. They have speed on that team. Victor Robles, you know, Robles, uh, Trey Turner, you have Eaton who can still run. Uh, that's a scary team to face right now. Mm -hmm. It really is. So if the Cubs can contain that offense over the next two games, that's going to be the key to how they come out of this series. Meanwhile, on the south side, uh, Ricky Renteria took some heat uh, earlier in the week, uh, talking about the fact that, uh, you know, he's a guy that looks at all numbers. He looks at uh, also uh, using his uh, heart and using his head in situations, let's listen to some sound from him and Rick Hahn. You know, talking about uh, the earlier comment. Let's listen to Ricky from earlier in the week when he was in Detroit, talking about what type of manager he is. Is he a metrics metrics guy? Is he a feel guy, or the combination of the two?
3: I don't discount numbers. Never have. Never will. But I'm a balanced guy, and so I'm not going to appeal to the saber metrician. On a daily basis, never will, never want to. Not my intent. If they don't like it, I don't really give a
0: (laughs) (laughs) He doesn't. And uh, he had to point out uh, yesterday, and I was in the mix there, uh, actually Thursday, the fact that this wasn't about the fans at all. This was about his gut feeling. Let's listen to Renderia from Thursday kind of uh, surmising what he had said initially.
3: All in all, it can work hand in hand. I do use numbers, and I I think I was clear on that. I've never discounted numbers. I've been using numbers since I was in the minor leagues as a manager. So it's just more, I don't allow it to completely dictate my action. I have to also be able to see what's going on. You know, this is what you want, ideally, is that you want a manager and you want a front office that's taking both sides into full account and then trusting one's gut. So it, it ends up you know, semantically and conversationally being appropriately balanced. Um, it, it's just that in Ricky's case, all year long, there's been a couple of lineup choices that have driven people insane, and I'm among them. And there's some bunting choices. What, don't you, what were some of those? Well, Tim Anderson was hitting seven for a long time. Right. It, it just, like, what, what, and Moncada was hitting pretty far down. And then he had, he had some guys hitting uh, one and two who, like, I mean – who, who really, from an on-base perspective, didn't do, have any business do you understand, being there. Do you
0: understand his perspective of why? Uh, on some of them, I
3: do. I don't know. Did he ever really expound on uh, why? I think it's a
0: player development s- and well, that that the comfort level, just like uh, Jason Hayward hitting seventh for the Cubs, a comfort level of he's doing well in this role, he hadn't been doing well before, let's leave him there mm-hmm. so we don't put more more pressure on him. Since Hayward's been... And the number one spot, um, although Joe says he's done a really good job, the reality is that he's got a, a two fifty four on base percentage sure. since he's batting number one. So that really hasn't played out. It hasn't worked out. In the case of Anderson and in the case of Mancata, it's more about player development and moving, eventually moving them up in the order. Let's listen to Rick Hahn talk about Renteria's uh, conversation and – the fact that uh, he does have their full support in the front office.
2: We want a manager who is capable of understanding both the objective and subjective side of, of lineup construction. That, that, again, part of the reason Ricky's sitting in that chair is his strengths on on both sides. He understands all the probabilities, all the chances, all the, uh, for lack of a better description, the, the objective side of, of lineup construction. But he also is extremely strong in terms of uh, touching each player each day and knowing where they are at and what uh, is best for putting them in the best position to succeed.
3: Bruce, I absolutely believe and have long espoused the mental part of the game and where you are hitting really matters, at least in terms of leadoff, Without a doubt, it matters in terms of leadoff. And we've known that and learned that. And guys, Jed Hoyer admitted it this year, that some of their guys have thought too much, whether it's Schwarber or whether it's been Hayward up there. People admit that. Um, but I, I don't know that that's true for every lineup position. I, I, and, and, I you know, and those conversations... I would assume and hope that Ricky's having those conversations with those particular guys. Well,
0: again, you know, do you believe that the White Sox are still in player development? Do you believe that Mancata and Anderson were finished products when the season started?
3: When the season started? No, but I think it was pretty clear fairly quickly into the year that Tim Anderson deserved to be hitting up towards the uh, top of the lineup and getting right. as many. At he's bats not as an possible. on-base
0: percentage guy, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. What's his on-base percentage?
3: Not a, not a ton higher right. than his batting average, right. but the batting I average mean, is I mean, do you, you put good. somebody
0: in a, in an area where you you have to worry about whether he's seeing enough pitches or not. So
3: you think it was okay that Tim Henderson was hitting seventh as often as he did?
0: I, I, I think that it was part of the development. I think once they saw that he's moved along, that he's up higher in the batting order. I
3: think there is almost no scenario where guys like Yonder Alonso and Adam Engel and yeah, others. But I mean, hold, on, hold on, let me finish the sentence. Yeah, sure. I don't think there's any scenario in which guys like that deserve more at bats
0: over the course of a game than Tim Anderson. Zero. Well, they, they didn't. One was one guy was released. Well, eventually. Yeah, but, yeah, but he was but, hitting fourth for a long time. But he was brought in for what reason?
3: Uh, I know why he was brought in, but yeah. I mean, you had, I mean, if you
0: watched him play. He didn't deserve to be hitting. So, that. When would you have cut the cord on him, well, like in the first month?
3: Uh, no, not necessarily cut the cord, but I wouldn't have hit him clean up as right. long as he did. The
0: the, the, the the I think the long answer to this is they're still in player development. They only have seven players on that team that you can say are going to be a part of what's going on going forward. Mm-hmm. Part of that development, you know, I think right now is batting them in a comfort level where they get used to uh, being productive players in those positions. I don't disagree with it. I mean, you and I probably disagree about it because you, you think the time, time level was um, – they should have been batting higher initially uh, in the lineup. I personally think they've been brought along beautifully. They both have had outstanding seasons. And they're both uh, impactful players. If you don't believe that, mm. look at their record without those guys in the lineup compared to what they are now. Who's impacting those games? Who's helping them win those games offensively? It's certainly Anderson and Mankata. Absolutely. Mancata
3: has a three sixty one on on-base percentage, and that is uh, hitting now consistently up towards the top of the order. I believe Tim Anderson's on-base yeah. percentage is three fifty four right now, which would put him top 10 yeah, in the that, American but, League but if he qualified. But what's his batting average? Uh, Well, you asked me what the on-base percentage is. I know, but but what's
0: it based on?
3: Um, Yeah, but it doesn't. As long as they're getting on, they're getting on. Right? I
0: I understand, but he's not an on-base percentage guy. He right now he's hitting three thirty something, isn't he?
3: Yeah, but if, but if the on-base percentage is three fifty four, that inherently makes now him an on-base it is. Percentage but he was
0: my, my point is is that he's not a uh, true on-base percentage guy unless he's going to hit three thirty for his whole career.
3: Well, let me ask you this: What is the best thing for development of a guy who hits three thirty? If you want to get him to take a few more walks and learn about the importance well, of being take, at the top, he's of the not going to take
0: more walks. Well, they're, well, they're, they're not asking. Well, him then to what do are it. you asking?
3: him to do for development
0: i i, I think he's he is who How do you he want, is you, know, you
3: want him, well then he, then it's not i about think he's i
0: think he's ideally he's a uh he's a three four five hitter not not a one or a two
3: um you think so you think he'll have oh, enough yeah. power with, with to be the, a three four five guy
0: i think i think he's a doubles machine i think he's a guy that's going to hit 20 home runs to 30 home runs every year i mean he's still developing in the the, the swing part of his game so Uh, To me, he's going to be an impactful offensive player, but not necessarily a one- or a two-hitter. He's a guy that's going to drive in runs.
3: Well, I'd I'd love to have him be a long-term five-hitter. That'd be fine by me, but not a long-term seven-hitter.
0: Is Baez a long-term five-hitter?
3: I think Baez is a better fit at five than he is at two or or three. I think he's
0: very similar, very similar, because neither one walk. So Mm. uh, both – I mean – Baez was hitting 330, 340 earlier in the year. Right. He's been in a horrible slump the last 10 or 12 games. If
3: Tim Anderson can keep the on base percentage around 350, even if it's mostly batting average, he can hit in the two spots. I, he's me. only going
0: to do that if he if he hits 320, you know? He's only going to, because he's not going to walk. So he's not a true on base percentage guy. He's a batting average guy at this point.
3: Mm hmm. Um, And, uh, you know, the thing is, I enjoyed hearing the red ass from Ricky because I get it like and he's been criticized like crazy. And that's a dude with a lot of pride who's had a very good career and is smart. And it's funny because you talk to people from earlier in his career Where he was Bud Black. They they asked Bud Black about it this week. And Bud Black said, I'm surprised that people are saying this about Ricky. He's always been a numbers guy. When he was the bench coach for Bud Black, he was a numbers guy.
0: Right. So it doesn't doesn't make a ton of sense. Matt, these days, guys who are in their 50s and older in baseball that are managers and coaches, Mm -hmm. they have to defend themselves so they don't sound like they're antiques. Okay? Because once you start hearing that, And you know we know how how metrics are looked at now. We know how front offices look at metrics. Uh, If you start protesting too much about, you know, oh yes, I'm a metrics guy. People are automatically saying you're you're too old school. You're not for us. Yeah. You know. I mean that is that's the world we live in. Uh, Madden is a nice balance of that, but you know that he he's he still manages with his gut as well as with the numbers
3: and i i would like to have a guy that does that so uh, look I, i'm with you right. in this sense that there is a there is a groupthink that then becomes pressurized to be that you have to make the right choice numerically every single time. And that's just not the way that people work. So, I mean, I'm
0: absolutely
3: right. a guy who believes that that you need to be talking to your players and, and, and making
0: sure that they feel the right thing. How's that worked out for Gabe Kepler in Philadelphia? Yeah, I mean, it can be a he's problem. Gonna, if they don't make the playoffs this year, he's going to be fired, okay? And the reason he's going to be fired is that metrics or no metrics, uh, the offensive players that they've gotten have not gotten the job done. Their, their run differential is uh, below water. Okay, that's a you know that's a pretty good looking offensive team on paper. Mm-hmm. But there's a, there's a lot of erratic scoring going on for the Philadelphia Phillies.
3: To your point, Bruce, as I mentioned earlier, like uh, Jed Hoyer and some of these guys who used to have a reputation for being only numbers. Have have come around and really believed that you bet they that the human element matters so much, and you can't just throw somebody in the leadoff spot because they usually give you the best at bats because the that spot will screw with
0: you. Well, look at the trades they made, and look at who they've gone after, like the Castellanos, mm-hmm. trade, which has been tremendously impactful for the Chicago Cubs. They would not be, uh, they could be easily three to five games out right now without Castellanos. But when you when you add a guy like that who uh, was dysfunctional in his own ballpark except for doubles. Now he's playing at Wrigley field. And when the wind isn't blowing in, he's a home run hitter. He's a, he's a doubles machine. Uh, That is, you know, the impact of you doing your homework on scouting, Mm you looking at uh, not just overall numbers, but where the guy is playing, uh, how he's being impacted by the ballpark he's playing in. How about the the hitters that have hit around him in Detroit compared to the guys that he has in Chicago?
3: It's unbelievable. It it, it really is. And I could listen to Ron Coomer talk about Castellanos' swing and his hitting approach all night long. I did the other night when I was doing pre and post, and he was talking about it, just like how his swing is made for Wrigley. He's an alley guy and a down-the-line guy, but he's so capable of – of slowing down, keeping the bat in the zone a long time and going the opposite way when they shift against him. He's just such a good hitter.
0: He can hit 375-foot homers at Wrigley. He wasn't going to hit them right. at Comerica. Right. I mean, that's a, I mean, it's like he died and went to heaven as far as he's concerned coming to the Cubs. We're going to take a break. When we come back, uh, Lucas Giolito, the White Sox, your calls continue here at 312-644-6767. He's Bruce Levine. Matt Spiegel at 670 The score
1: You're listening
3: to Inside the Clubhouse on 670, the score. Lucas Giolito of the White Sox going to join us in a few minutes. This is Shoelaces on the South Side to talk to Bruce Levine and myself. What's
0: up, Shoelaces? Hey, how y'all doing today? We're doing good. What's up?
2: Oh, yes. Um, you know what? Um, I'm not really a number guy either, but I am a number guy. It's like if you want to pull a pitcher in or something like that, obviously, he's batting against a certain pitcher. But other than that, I'm not a number guy. But now, I do agree. That you got to put a player in the right position. And Bruce, like you said, with the developer, Dane, sometimes you have to put a person in the future who might be a hitter in the seven or eight spot.
0: You yeah, I'm have, I'm with you on that.
2: Yes, yeah, but I'm not really a numbers guy either, but I think the Sox is on the right track. And Bruce, I want to ask y'all two a question. What you think about um, the Cubs and the player they got from Detroit? Do you think they're going to sign him now? Uh, after, the, uh, after the
0: season. Yeah, thanks, Shoelaces. Matt, uh, whether or not Castellanos uh, belongs uh, on this team long-term, obviously the the initial reaction is going to be yes by everybody, but the construction of your team next year, knowing $60 million coming off the books, knowing that Lester and Quintana are in the last year of their contracts, you have two years left on your main guys, uh, Bryant, Rizzo, Baez, Schwarber, um, does it automatically mean that you throw what 's it going to take to sign this guy you know four or five years at uh fifteen to twenty million dollars a year
3: he 's uh doing a terrific job of increasing his market uh for this spending free agency that 's for sure. This is Carrie in Lagrange on the score Hello Carrie good morning
2: hello uh my uh, argument is vibrant uh, he He did the right thing when he played. Uh, Anderson 7th, he was comfortable, he moved around 2-6 and 7 to juggle the lineup and we didn't have a lot of players any anyhow that so were doing good and now two days later, I mean uh, two or three days later, the paper it on the radio uh, Anderson says, now I'm ready to bat second and Entered batting seventh, he told them it was for comfort mainly. And then the people for a month were calling in what kind of manager he is. You tell him to bat up high so he
0: doesn't have to wait to the third inning.
3: Thank you, Kerry, for the call. I appreciate it. So he believes uh, Anderson was handled correctly and Ricky was in touch. And yeah, I think thing. it's
0: uh, all in the eye, eyes of the beholder. So uh, we'll move on from there as we are fortunate enough to bring in one of the top pitchers in Major League Baseball, and he happens to pitch on the south side of Chicago. Lucas Giolito joining us on Inside the Clubhouse on a Saturday morning. Good morning, Lucas. That's my fault on the okay. button there. Brand All right, we'll reset you. Good morning, Lucas. How are you?
2: Good, mo- good morning, guys. How are you guys doing?
0: Are you up? Because I'm told that oh, you're yeah. you're a late sleeper. Is that true or not?
2: Yeah. At times, but no, I'm 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 up and ready to go for you guys uh, this morning here. <laughs>
0: so the the energy that Anderson and Mankata and the ability that Anderson and Mankata bring to the team, I guess, cannot be denied at this point. How do you How do you look at what the team is all about when those two guys are in the lineup?
2: Um, it, it, it's that it's that explosive offense um, between T. A. Mankata. Um, I mean, you can kind of go down the whole lineup if, if everyone's going good. Pizzo, McCann, uh, but it, it's it's just it seems like we'll just kind of pop off, we'll explode. Um, it could be the first inning, um, and it, it for me as a as a starting pitcher, it makes me feel good to see um, that we're kind of trending in that direction right now because that means I'm going to be pitching with more runs, uh, more runs for us on the board. Uh, I had that my last start against the twins where uh, I think we put up like two runs in the first inning and we put up, you know, a couple more, a couple innings later. And next thing you know, I'm going out there in like the fifth inning with a four run lead and I'm feeling really good. So it, it's, it's really good to see uh high energy. Um, and yeah, the, the guys are, guys are starting to, to really, really come into their own.
3: You know, the first half of the season, especially, Lucas, was really exciting for for White Sox fans. And you guys got to 500. And just uh, overall, just the vibe around the team felt so good. And then there was a lull after the break. And it seems like that is behind you now. It feels like you guys are playing good baseball as a collective and uh, and feeling a sense of um, uh, of positivity and togetherness that was there more so in the first half. Is that fair? First half. Is that fair to say?
2: Yeah, I'd say it's pretty fair to say. I, I think that um, just how baseball is, you know, one hundred and sixty-two game season. Um, we were dealing with some injuries there. Uh, coming coming off the All Star break, uh, there's. You, Team, our our team kind of just fell into like a little bit of a i guess like you said a lull or or um you know just some hard times but uh I, I think that we're showing some good signs of resiliency bouncing back uh winning some key series uh I'm you know being part of this team now for i guess like two two and a half ish years. I'm really, really happy to see where we're at, and I'm I'm really looking forward to the future.
0: Lucas Giolito joining us on Inside the Clubhouse. Lucas, uh, you look at Dylan Cease and the outing he's had, and, and a lot of the outings he's had, they're, they're kind of reminiscent to uh, some of the things that you went through and, and Lopez went through initially here as far as early game struggles and then... Uh, Uh, being allowed to go up there and put some zeros up. It's nice to have that in a rebuild. I don't know if it's realistic that it's allowed when uh, you guys are close to pennant winning or challenging for uh, Mm -hmm. pennant-type teams. But from the perspective of uh, Cease right now, how do you you look at it, and is this similar to what you went through?
2: Yeah, very similar, very similar. Um, I'd say, you know... Going through the kind of uh, growth period um, when you first come up to the league, uh, I was actually talking about this with someone yesterday. Um, when you're coming up through through the minor league system, um, especially as like a top prospect, uh, so much of what you're doing is development. You know, develop this, develop that, work on this. Um, you know, we you know work on a changeup or do you know, we need you to do this, uh, to be prepared for the big leagues. And then you get to the big leagues and, you know, the last two years has all been development that you kind of have to, um, I wouldn't say like learn, but you have to compete, you know, be when you're in the big leagues, it's all about competing. It's all about winning. So there, I I think that there's a bit of an adjustment period that everyone has, uh, everyone has their, their different pace to it. You know, for me, it took, it took about two years to figure it out. Some guys, they might figure it out in two weeks. So, uh, everyone's different. It's just part of, it's just part of the process. You kind of have to trust yourself. Um, but the thing with Dylan Cease is that he has, uh, such elite stuff. um, You know, the the 95 to 100-mile-an-hour fastball, big breaking curveball, slider, uh, he's got everything. So for him, it's just about getting that experience, um, continuing to learn how to compete, and he did a really good job of showing that last night.
3: He's Lucas Giolito of the White Sox on Inside the Clubhouse with Bruce Levine and Matt Spiegel here on 670 The Score. So um, I've loved talking about your transformation, Lucas, because I've learned a lot about pitching in the process because it seems uh-huh. like there was four or five different things that happened. You moved a little bit in terms of your placement on the rubber, right? You, it, it seems like uh-huh. you, you, you got rid of a hitch that was there in your left leg and i believe a little yep. bit of a crossfire in the stride pattern if i'm if if i'm right yep. and and yep. then there's the brain canics which was fascinating to to read about this <laughs> neural development stuff and yep. then and then there's the fact that last year you threw 599 sinkers and this year you've thrown 0 0 yeah. and so which of those has been the most important if you had to rank them or, or do, is it everything
2: oh man uh if I had to rank them, i, I, I got to put the mental stuff first. Hmm. Uh, I, I feel like just with how much I've worked on, my mindset, my attitude, uh, I feel like I could go out there pitching, um, pitching like I was last year with the stuff I had last year and still have limited success. Just because of my mindset, so I have to rank that one number one.
3: Wow, I, I'm surprised because the stuff the 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 four seam and changeup combination seems to have revolutionized what the ceiling is for you. But maybe that's too simplistic from my perspective.
2: Yeah, well, uh, I the thing it, it's it's tough because yeah, I did make a bunch of physical changes, and, and the ball's definitely coming coming out of my hand much better now. Um, but the the physical changes really weren't that, uh, weren't that Mm -hmm. difficult or or I guess you could say that they weren't that, it wasn't like I was grinding that hard to, to get there. I just, I just kind of finally let go of some things and started training in the right way. And that's kind of how it was able to
0: happen. Yeah. Talk about that mental side of it because it's, you know, for Relatable, for the, the public and for people in the media, uh, it's not real sexy, but it's so significant these days about Lucas Giolito coming off of the bench in 2018 after bad inning and then beating himself up as opposed to the cerebral way that you handle it now.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, last year was... You know, a lot of bad games, a lot of games that blew up right in my face, and I didn't handle it that that well um, because I knew I was better than what I was showing, but I was I was like searching for that feel, searching for uh, you know that that one good game that's gonna you know make it, uh, I guess make it feel better, make it feel like okay, I'm back on track now. This is what I need to be doing. But that wasn't really the answer. Um, I I was lacking uh, confidence in myself when I was out there pitching, which is a big no-no that I now realize. Uh, I was uh, la- lacking a, a a solid, consistent routine, daily routine that um, that works for me, and that that I know uh, if I follow those steps, then I'm going to continue to uh, hit the goals I want to hit. Uh so I mean just a, a big combination, kinda really sitting down after the after the uh season was over, looking in the mirror and and realizing that, you know, I, I had to make some make some changes. I had to uh you know try new things, tr- try new stuff and and uh you know, luckily I was able to find the right combination of stuff that works for me.
0: Who's that mental edge guru for you or what, what conversation or person might've helped you be able to do that for yourself?
2: Number one was my wife, Ariana. Um, she was, she was the one that kind of had to kick my butt a little bit and, and, and let me know, uh, that, you know, the stuff I was doing wasn't really working and I, and that she thought it was about time to try something else. And, uh, so she was the first person I listened to, mm-hmm. and from, from there I just kind of surrounded myself with uh, people that I know and trust that are in my corner to see me improve and, and find success, and I just was all ears from that point.
3: It's one of the best stories of the baseball season. It yeah, really it is. is. It, it's so instructive, really, in any walk of life. All right, let's check it out. Let's see, what am I doing? All right, let's change it up. Like, we can all take control, in a way. Um, this, uh, Absolutely. Th- this this Players Weekend, I think the White Sox look good in all black. I, I got to say, I think, it, I, think it, <laughs> I think it fits you guys. And Lucas is one of nine players around baseball to pay tribute to the late Tyler Skaggs this weekend. How, how cool is that? Nine different guys, either with cleats or with jerseys and you and your high school teammate, John Flaherty, both with love you T Y, uh, on the back. Why? And Max free. Oh, and Max free too. Uh, okay.
2: And Ryan Braun, uh, and wow. Oh man. I, don't, I, I think there's a few others around the league too, but yeah, it's, yeah. uh, yeah, it's just, you know, continuing on, um, you know, remembering Ty, uh, the amazing person, teammate, player he was, uh, you know, we we have no intention of, of of forgetting that. And we just want to continue to honor him in any way we can. And Players Weekend, when, you know, it's all about the players and, and showing off what we're about, uh, it's a, we thought it was a perfect time to, to, you know, continue to honor him.
0: How do you take a positive reflection out of that without being, uh, you know, stuck – by the loss of someone that's significant in your life.
2: Yeah, um yeah, it's tough. I mean, grief grief is different different for everybody. Uh I'm more I guess at peace with with him being gone now, I guess you could say. Uh it, it's just tough when I think about his family and and what they're what you know, they have to what they have to deal with. Um but uh, for me, uh, it, you know, I just have little reminders here and there. Uh, you know, I have I have a little wristband and you know, the stuff written on my hat. Uh, for me, that's just how I want to continue to to uh, honor him and and uh, you know, keep his spirit alive uh, as I move on through my career.
0: Lucas, uh, we appreciate the time. As always, continue. Uh, the great work. It's been, a, it's been a real pleasure watching you uh, go out there. And the way that you communicate with us and everybody else around the team is just as enjoyable. So um, after your 15-year career as a uh, top pitcher, I'm sure that uh, you're going to be a media mogul down the road somewhere. <laughs> he will have made enough money that he won't uh, have to bother. Uh, but he, but <laughs> right or wrong, you enjoy it, correct?
2: Yeah, I, no, I, I enjoy it. You know, I, I'm just trying to be myself. It's uh, it's it's fun. You guys make it easy.
0: Thanks again, Lucas. Have a great day. We'll yeah. see you out at the ballpark. Thanks again. Absolutely. Thanks, Lu- Lucas. You guys. Lucas Giolito yep. joining us on Inside the Clubhouse for something that's always looked forward to. He's so good at communicating. Mm-hmm. And like he admitted, uh, he enjoys the give and take. And yeah. and he uh, I've, I've rarely heard him bad uh, when it comes to communicating after games there was that blip that he had right before the all-star game where he wasn't very good and it was a little bit tenser for him but uh nonetheless uh Quite a communicator, quite an interesting guy.
3: And uh, I, I just, as I mentioned, just so instructive. You can follow this game for decades, right, Bruce? And yet still learn stuff from a player's development. No and his development no has been really, really instructive.
0: We're going to take a break. We'll take your calls going up to the end. Then Rosie joins Matt for uh, another three hours before Cub Baseball. Zach aidman in the pregame. Ron and Pat, uh, of course, uh, taking you into Cub baseball three one two six four four six seven six seven. Yep, actually, Cubs free game twelve thirty five. So Rosie and I will have uh, ninety minutes for you. Oh, and that's it's, it. Yeah,
3: um, which is Short about inversion. it's about all I can take of Steve Rosenblum. Oh, that's uh, not nice. Well, I, I'd only Might say be it true, but not nice, <laughs> and I'd say it to his face as well. Uh, it's uh, inside the clubhouse. We're back in a moment on six seventy the score. You're locked in on inside the clubhouse. little nirvana, I think. Uh, Zach Withers still has last weekend's Steve Albini interview. Rolling around his head. Hit and run will be tomorrow. I'm looking forward to hit and run, yeah. Bruce.
0: Uh, tell us about uh, kind of a unique show you're doing with uh, two uh, executives from the different teams.
3: Right? I, I don't know if this has ever been done. I, I don't know. I, I know I haven't heard them together. And they're both great guys, as you know. The marketing director for the Cubs, Colin Faulkner. And the marketing director for the White Sox, Brooks Boyer. Together, um, they're very friendly, which is always makes for uh, a possibility of better banter. But what's it like to market the Cubs and the Sox in a town inhabited by the other? More
0: importantly, because it's going to be great radio, is that they're both great talkers. Both great communicators. Yes. It's going to be fun. So I'll be listening. Everyone else should. As you go from 9 till 12. 9
3: till 12.35 tomorrow. Right. And that'll be for the 10 o'clock hour. will be those yeah, two guys that, together. That's going
0: to be awesome. So uh, hit and run with Matt tomorrow. Sure you listen.
3: Um, so your your thoughts, Bruce, on uh, on this Cubs weekend. Uh, they need them. They need him here against these Washington Nationals. Nationals playing awfully well. Strasburg tomorrow. Joe Ross today. They're
0: going to have to pitch their butts off to not get beat in this weekend or get swept. Because of the fact that... Washington's offense is hot and it's diversified as we talked about and it's left-handed and it's right-handed and it's nonstop. So uh, you're, you're going to have to get a, a great pitch game out of Quintano, who's been very excellent for them. Maybe their most consistent pitcher for sure in the second half. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, not as dominant as um, Hendricks when he's been on, but certainly uh very effective and then you uh, you have tomorrow the big matchup with uh, Strasburg and Hamels. Hamels has to show that he's back to being the pitcher that he was. Uh, hopefully that happens. And uh, this is a preview of playoff baseball. This is a preview of what the Cubs want to do against the Cardinals and the Brewers uh, when they face them seven more times each. 34
3: games left, as you mentioned, seven each against Milwaukee and St. Louis.
0: 17 on the road, 17 at home. Oof. Should be uh, interesting theater. People can follow me, uh, Matt, on Twitter at MLB Bruce Levine. I write Cubs and Sox every day on 67 score.com. Have a great week. I'll be listening tomorrow. Thanks to our guest today, Steve C- Ciszek of the Cubs. Lucas Giolito of the White Sox. Zach Withers, job well done every week. He is the guy that stirs the straw for us.
3: Thank you so much, Bruce Levine, and uh, thank you, Zach. Steve Rosenbloom is next with me, Matt Spiegel, right here on 670 The Score.
1: T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours